The nail in the coffin! episode number 73 of the nail we are recording on tuesday night a little less than 24 hours before the Cavs finally start playing some basketball again trav it feels like it's been an eternity um i don't i think it more than feels like it i think it actually has been an eternity (laughs) well you know it it took long enough but at least we finally know that uh we're going to be seeing the celtics in the conference finals the actual conference finals as opposed to uh the real eastern conference finals against toronto um, how do you feel about this? Uh, out of Boston and Washington, do we care which uh, which team ended up coming out of that series? Not, not really. I mean, I guess if I had to pick, I probably, I honestly would feel more confidence against Boston. But it's kind of, you know, six and one half dozen of another, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I wasn't particularly worried about any of them, so. I guess it is what it is. I, I, I don't care much either way. You? Uh, no, you know, honestly, I, I think I, I want the Celtics. And by the way, but as we get rolling here, I, I do want to say congratulations to the Boston Celtics. They uh, won the draft lottery, so they'll be picking number one. So uh, hats off to them for getting what uh, I believe is going to be their last win of the season. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that I is, hope they feel funny. good about it tonight because uh, the it's varsity funny. shows up tomorrow. And yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Somebody said, uh, I, "I heard today someone mentioned, is this the first uh, team ever to be in the Eastern Conference Finals and care more about the lottery than their game one?" They should. I mean, if we're being really honest about it. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, any realistic Celtics fan to a man is going to tell you, you know, if they can steal a game or two against Cleveland, they'll consider it a win. Um. I don't think anyone actually expects them to win this series. Um, Vegas agrees. Uh, just about everyone I've heard as far as uh, even the Boston folks that I've heard that cover the team have said, yeah, they're going to get, they're going to get stomped. So um, nice little season for the Celtics, um, but you're going to be on vacation in about a week. Yeah. So while we're talking about being off for uh, in a week, you know, it's been nine days. It'll, it'll have been nine days by the time the Cavs finally, tip off again on Tuesday night. So in the meantime, since the Cavs wrapped up their series with the Raptors last weekend on Sunday afternoon, Celtics ended up playing that night and had another three games after that. So they will be coming into tomorrow night having played four games since the Cavs last played. So basically the Cavs in the time since they polished off Toronto could have literally started and finished an entire another series in the time it took uh, the Celtics to uh, finally get past Washington. So um, I, rest versus rust, I think we're officially done with that debate. Uh, do you expect the Celtics the have Cavs- also played uh, the Celtics have also played 13 games since the end of the regular season um, over the same period, the Cavs have played eight. Um, so it, it is, you're right. It's it's that ever, that always popular rust versus rest thing. And I think personally, I think the whole, the whole debate is sort of just convenient excuses. If a, if a team, you know, 
gets rested and they come out slow, it's going to be, oh, they were rusty. If, you know, they're the team that just got done with the seven-game series and they come out slow, it's going to be, oh, they're tired. So I don't know that it actually matters. I think over the course of the series it can matter, but for the most part, I think that rust thing disappears in, in a matter of a couple minutes usually. Yeah, I'm, and honestly, I'm really not expecting much of, uh, if the Celtics are going to steal a game in the series, I guess the working theory is that it would probably game be, be game one. one. Yeah, probably. Because, but I gotta be honest, like I was thinking about this, just, uh, you know, I was coming home today, uh, had a little uh, one night trip to Chicago and was on the play today. And then I'm driving back from the airport and I'm just thinking, and I'm going to pose this question to you. If you're the Celtics and you're going into this series, what is your formula to try to beat the Cavs? I, I don't know. <laughs> if, if I had an answer for you, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast with you right now. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that they even have an answer because, quite frankly, there's Isaiah Thomas is a nice player, and I get he he's been filling it up a little bit, and he can score the ball and and all that. But um, Washington gave you a pretty good recipe to to neutralize him. They I don't think they deployed it enough, and then they went painfully cold last game, and Kelly Olynyk uh, just couldn't miss for some reason, which is sort of weird. Um, I guess if we're going to lose a game and, and that's going to be why you kind of live with that, I suppose. <laughs> um, but overall they just don't have the horses. They're not talented enough. I, I was thinking about it today. If you were to rank the best players in the series, how many of the, what the top, probably five of the top six are Cavs. Easily. Right. Isaiah yeah. Thomas is the only one that's even in the conversation. and He's still probably the fourth best, maybe yeah. third. Yeah, so I mean, they just don't have the, ta- they're just not talented enough. Let's, let's just call a spade a spade. They might steal a game just, and, and like you said, tomorrow might be the one just because they're coming off a, an emotional win. They'll have that home court, which was pretty wild last night. It was nice to see, but beyond that, no chance in seven games that they won four of them. I was thinking about uh, dubbing in the Mr. McMahon uh, entrance music <laughs> with uh, no chance in hell. Honestly, you can do that anytime and I won't have a problem with it. Um, <laughs> it's kind of can't miss. So if you want to throw it in just randomly, completely unrelated to anything we're talking about, I say go for it personally. <laughs> it is truly one of the classics, but you know, just kind of getting back to what Boston did well and, and where they kind of separated themselves from the wizards in the conference semifinals, um, you know, their their role players actually shot pretty well. Um, I think Horford even was like 53% on three-point attempts or something. Yeah, um, he had a couple couple spurts there. Yeah, and, and their, their guys, their supporting cast shot the ball well. And, you know, if you're looking for some sort of hope for them in this round, um, you know, the Cavs, what they've kind of tended to do First with Paul George at Indiana, and then um, the the guards for the Raptors. It's been, you know, kind of blitz those uh, primary scorers out front and force the ball to some other guys and make them beat you. So you would have to think that those role players are going to get some looks, and it's going to be a matter for Boston as to, you know, whether or not they can actually keep knocking them down or if they're going to finally regress to the mean. The other thing, though, and I thought it was really in, um 
evident in Game 7 was just how much better the Boston bench was in, in the second unit was versus Washington. Washington had no depth, and, and when they went to their reserves, I mean, that was the difference I felt like in Game 7. I mean, you saw that game. It was back and forth within about three or four points most of the way. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the third quarter, Boston caught fire because uh, the Wizards had a bunch of their reserves in. And, you know, when you, you, you can't rely on that when you're going to play the Cavs because when the Cavs have their second unit on the floor, LeBron's out there. And he's going to be playing 40 to 44 minutes a game. And if they get into a closeout situation, he's probably going at least 45 because, you know, they, they've kind of gotten into a thing with him where it's like they, you know, smell blood in the water and they're going to go for the kill. So you're going to have to account for him virtually the entire game. So um, that was something that Boston was able to really play up in the last round that is just not going to be there for them here against the Cavs. Yeah, and I agree with you. Washington, you know, they're 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 sort of a weird team. Like, John Wall's really good, obviously, and Bradley Beal's pretty damn good. Um, there's not really anybody else on that team that, that you're too concerned about. And that, I mean, that obviously showed. Um, but depth-wise, yeah, you're right on. They have nothing. And I don't know that Boston's really even that much better. Um but yeah, the fact that LeBron got so many minutes the last two series with that second unit, um, we saw that sort of the old squad with uh, Darren Williams and Channing Frye and them. Uh, that was the one that orchestrated the big comeback against Indiana, obviously. So that was cool. Um, and, and that was sort of the first time we saw that lineup at length. And they deployed it a couple other times um, with pretty damn good success. So I think... Um, it's hard to really call any unit that has LeBron on it a second unit. Um, so so I think if you're Boston and you're saying, okay, we'll get our backups in, um, you're not going to really fare a whole lot better. No, no, I don't think so at all. Um, you know, the other thing, just kind of getting back to Isaiah Thomas, um, I think I'm going to be really interested to see what Boston does with him defensively. Because, like, he's known as not being a good defender at all. I mean, he's a legitimate liability defensively. Like, who do you hide him on on the Cavs? Do you put him on JR? I don't because think I don't think there is anybody. It's going to have to be JR, right? Yeah, but he I mean I mean yes, it's going to have to be. That doesn't mean it's a good matchup for them. Um cuz JR is kind of that guy who historically um he kind of likes those shots that are a little challenged but not like you know, not, oh, he'll, he'll, not a guy he, right up on it. Wave a giant shovel in his face, and he's going to put it up. But yeah, you know. and if if <laughs> if they're trying to pretend that um, that Isaiah Thomas is going to be the guy to to contest those shots, that's really only a contest, a contest in in name only. Um, they're, they're not actually going to stop Jr. from firing away, um, and I, I don't really see that having any impact on what he does. So I, I don't know how they how they they're going to switch they're going they're going to try to switch on him every time sort of like they did with Steph Curry last year in the finals um i think you're going to see a lot of Kyrie and LeBron iso on him and it's not going to fare well for the Celtics there's just, there, you can only hide him so much um yeah. i hope that we don't see what we saw a little bit in the finals last year where they tried to force that switch a little too much and it sort of killed the offense any flow that they had sort of died out cuz i don't think you need to force it 
I think you can run your offense pretty effectively with them anyways. Um, but overall, I, I think anytime you get one-on-one with Isaiah, it's going to be, it's going to be all she wrote for the most part. I'll be kind of interested to see like what happens with him. And, and this is kind of getting beyond this series, but just, I mean, the, this, you know, resurgence for the Celtics franchise. I mean, he's been the centerpiece for them this year. And, um, you know, with them winning the number one pick tonight, uh, the guy who's probably going to be the top pick in the draft, um, Marco Fultz. Uh, Fultz. And he's like a six foot four point guard. And Isaiah Thomas has um, got one more year, I think, left on his deal. So um, that could get kind of tricky for them. I I, I wonder, I, I mean, that really won't be a factor in this series at all. I mean, it's not really right. an issue now, and that's that's probably a better discussion than they have another day. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think it does raise the question because I, somehow Isaiah Thomas managed to wedge his way into MVP talk this year. Um. <laughs> How high is your ceiling if Isaiah Thomas is your best player? This is it, right? Yeah. Like, by far. Um, I think this is even a bit overachieving for them, quite frankly. Um, so, if yeah, Rondo I, doesn't break his thumb, does this team get out of the first round? No, no. They were dead in the water. Um, and they looked like it. They looked defeated. Um, that's That's sort of one of those funny things that we'll look back on. Um, I mean, we probably won't because we'll forget about this Celtics team in about a week. So, um, <laughs> but Boston fans will look back on um, and question. I think anyone who was watching that series said, "Yeah, Rondo. Who would have thought that Rondo was the the difference between them? You know, potentially getting swept and getting to the Eastern Conference Finals." Yeah, I, that that to me. I mean, th- there's been a few interesting storylines in this, these playoffs, but that one, I think still just kind of boggles my mind because if you'd have given me a list and and said write down the names of 50 players that you think could end up swinging a series I'm not sure I'd put Rondo on that list of 50 out of all the guys that have been in the playoffs this year so if you did put him on that list you'd sort of think it would be the other way (laughs) (laughs) like he'd be that guy that just pissed someone off and just completely killed his team's chemistry or something along those lines um, yeah. you wouldn't see him being the key player to his team's success though. And he absolutely was, um, you know, it's, it's sort of that weird. We've seen a couple, it's obviously not the, the first high profile, uh, or I guess he was probably the first, he's not the last high profile injury in this, uh, these playoffs I'm watching right now, the Spurs looking completely apathetic without Kawhi tonight. Um, yeah. How much of that of game one did you watch in the series on Sunday? Very little. Very little. I actually went back and watched some, but live I didn't watch barely any of it. Yeah, that. Um, I, I mean, the Zaza thing is it is what it is, and I I don't blame the Spurs for being pissed. And I thought Pop was a hundred percent justified in airing his grievances yesterday about that. But um, you know, I, I was shocked at how good San Antonio looked through the first uh, two and a half quarters of that game, or. Um, you know, whatever the cutoff point was when Kawhi went down. And, uh, you know, I, I just got a feeling, because this series now, there won't be a game three until Saturday because they got to yeah. even up the schedule. Um, but, uh, you know, if they could have held on in game one and gotten out of there, you know, you could punt on tonight and you're still going back home with a split. Right. And at that point, 
you could have Kawhi off for what five days or whatever, and yep. now you're you've got the home court advantage. You got him rested. Now that that series gets kind of interesting, especially with how good they looked when he was playing. But I mean, if they fall behind 0-2, which it certainly looks like they're well on their way to right now, I hard to imagine a, a scenario where uh, San Antonio makes uh, any sort of noise in that uh, in the West. No, no. I mean, th- that was their chance to make it a, make it a series. I think they they punched them in the mouth and they had them right where they wanted them. Um, losing your star player obviously takes the wind out of your sails quite a bit, and it, it's certainly show, rolling over to tonight. They just they've got no heart right now. Um, whether you know they can steal a game at home and make this you know five or six game series, who knows? But yeah, that's that's a huge. Huge opportunity lost, obviously, and it's one of those things that we've we've been hearing about. Golden State always seems to, you know, catch teams when they're hobbled a little bit. Um, I think I get, read. Did you get the stat on this? Nine of eleven series, um, the team they were playing lost a starter. Yes, during the series, at least one. Um, yeah, they were either without the guy going into the series, or they they lost somebody for a game. During the series, so yeah, nine nine times out of eleven series over the last three years now. So, and I, I'd be interested to go back and look and see how that just rates in general. Because I mean, guys get hurt and they miss games in the playoffs. So it sounds like a huge number, and I'm sure it's a little above average. But is it? Do you think it's as as extreme as it sounds? That's a fair question. I don't know. Um, I could tell you just from watching the games that they played with the Cavs. I, I mean. To be fair, last year, the, you know, the Cavs missed Kevin Love in game three because he had the concussion. almost forgot about that now, but, yeah. um, you know, they, they, the Cavs still came out and won that game by 30. So, but, I mean, the flip side of that coin is you look at 2015, and I think a lot of Golden State fans were kind of laughing at the Cavs fans saying, like, it would have been different if Kyrie and Kevin Love were playing. But then we saw 2016 played out, and I think that's a fair statement to make. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Kyrie absolutely. played great in Game One of that 2015 Finals before he broke his leg. Oh yeah, so, and I mean the way he was playing. Um, I don't know how many folks remember exactly how that game ended up. The Cavs probably win that game if he stays healthy. Um, I think they lost by one or two. Um, I remember a really egregious non-foul call uh, <laughs> that would have won the Cavs the game in regulation, and I think they end up losing in overtime. Um, the it's interesting to look at that series though because I don't if if Kyrie was healthy I'm not sure we see LeBron play the way that he way that he did. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't win just as many or what, but and it's not really that important to talk about. But overall, yeah, I mean they they come out and they joke about it and they like you know well we're sorry we're healthy and stuff. It's like you joke about it, but it's a completely valid point. <laughs> like you're, you yeah. haven't played many teams at full strength. That just is what it is. Right. Um, not that it takes any validity from your title, but it does. <laughs> um, so it, who cares though? I mean, that's ancient history. We're in 2017 at this point. So, yeah. Well, Hey, speaking of injuries, do do we, uh, do we expect Kelly Olynyk to be pulling any shenanigans or should I say shoulders? I will in, tell you I will tell you this. When I looked, as far as the matchups go in this series, I thought those Celtics matchup was a little bit more favorable to the Cavs than Washington. 
um, just because Boston's so goddamn terrible at rebounding. And I think that <laughs> the Cavs could just eat them alive on the boards and just rip their hearts out like they did in that game at the end of the regular season. But yeah. I also think it's the most likely team for someone to get hurt and fuck things up for the next series. <laughs> so there's two sides of it. I don't want, if I'm Kevin Love, I'm not getting within 10 feet of Kelly Olenek. Um, he's just one of those guys that, and I'm not sure if he's as dirty. Um, Cause to me, dirty indicates like intent. I think he's too fucking clumsy to, to plan the shit that he does. Um, he's just reckless and, and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's uncoordinated and sloppy, but um, so it's just one of those, you don't want to see that guy on the floor because he can intentionally or unintentionally do something stupid that screws things up for you. So in, in, Greg, Popovich, moment. in Greg Popovich terms, he would be guilty Man of manslaughter and not yes. homicide. Yes, he's guilty of manslaughter. Um, okay. I will say I think Zaza is guilty of um, NBA is there anything homicide? between manslaughter and actual murder? Uh, I feel like I've know, watched enough Law and Order. I should. I was going to say I, I watched enough Law and Order. I, I'm kicking myself for not. Uh, not I think there's it. something in the middle, like first degree, like first maybe maybe uh, maybe Olenek is like second degree manslaughter. I'll, uh, I'll get Jack degree. McCoy on the case. Know. Yeah, get get McCoy out there. Um, tell him to break this down for us. Get Olivia Benson on the case, although I'm not sure it falls under SVU necessarily. No, um, no probably not. But, but anyways, I, I think Zaza's. I think Zaza's are a little more intentional. Um, when you watch the stuff he does, it's not. It doesn't seem just like clumsy. Um, that specific play, like he took a very deliberate extra step that served zero purpose whatsoever and didn't look just like a guy bumbling around. Oh, it served so, a purpose. It didn't serve a legitimate purpose or, or a clean purpose. No. Um, I think it was, it was rather deliberate in what it was. And you can say he's not a dirty player, but that's, that's not a basketball play. Every time I always bring this up because it seems like we always say, Oh, he's not a dirty player. It's like, well, 99% of the league doesn't have a problem with that. Like ninety, everyone else seems to be able to manage it, and then there's a handful of guys that it happens to all the time. Like Draymond Green, that was talking about his kicking. It's like no one else kicks guys in the face and the nuts and stuff all the time. It's this one guy. So how come everybody else is able to avoid it? Yeah, but uh, I don't know. But um, you know, while while we're talking about uh, some of the bigs, you had mentioned Boston's uh, front court. They they don't rebound the ball well. Um. You know, Horford, not really a particularly great rebounder. And um, that guy <laughs> kind of reminded me, I, I was just thinking about Jeff Teague and how he got swept twice in Atlanta by the Cavs and went somewhere else. And sure enough, who did he see in the playoffs in the first round? He, the Cavs again, and they swept him again. And Horford, kind of the same thing. He's never really played well against the Cavs. Um, you know, I think Tristan Thompson is his father. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you go back to that game late in the regular season when the, the, uh, teams were, uh, still wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, competing for the number one seed in the Eastern conference. I mean, the Cavs, you know, beat the hell out of the Celtics there. And, uh, Tristan didn't even play in that game. 
So I, you look at some of the past matchups between these two, um, Horford and Tristan in the playoffs, and I think that's a huge, huge edge for the Cavs. Um, and yeah, if you're Boston, you're kind of hoping that the Cavs shooters can you know, start going cold, which sometimes happens when you put up a lot of threes. But if you've got a guy who's going to crash the glass like that, that well for you, and you've got that much of an advantage, that's going to create a lot of extra shot opportunities, and that's going to make Boston's margin for error even uh, even slimmer. Yeah, that's one of those stats that I'm probably going to, that I'll look at very intentionally after the game is what's the field goal difference look like um, in the offensive rebound margin because I fully expect them to get a lot of second chances. Um, if I'm if I'm a a gambler, I'm probably taking the under in that game because I think I think the Cavs will be able to afford to just kind of play somewhat slow. Um, you'll see a lot of instances where they'll you know burn 15 seconds or so off, get a rebound and burn another 15 seconds. I think you'll see. I think the shot total will be kind of low, just because. Um, Cavs aren't going to expend any extra energy, I don't think. See, um, I disagree. I, I think get... if you're Boston, that's exactly what you want. The, 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 you want to shorten the game and reduce the number of possessions. If you're the Cavs, you know, you got a great rhythm going here. Um, I know you've been off for nine days, but I think you want to keep the ball popping and, and you want to, um, you know, I, I think the Cavs would be more than comfortable playing a game in the 110s. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. And considering that they've been off for nine days, I don't think um, energy should necessarily be a factor. But um, overall, I expect right, whether they use those extra offensive rebounds and extra possessions to, you know, run quick plays and, you know, get the ball up quickly and try to max, maximize and score as many points as possible or, you know, they kind of take it easy a little bit. We'll we'll find out. But, I, I like I said, I expect them to get a lot of second shots, probably a few third shots, because no matter what Boston tries, they're, they don't have the bodies to out-rebound the Cavs. Um, we saw if, it, like, if Tristan doesn't get it, then I think – I was just going to say, if Tristan doesn't, you know, clean up the glass, you got Kevin Love down there too. And oh yeah, I, I really think this. Look, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say I I really think this is gonna be a series. I mean, Ty Lue was even saying it during uh, one of the practices that they had last week that you know they they want to get him more involved. Um, you know, I think he's I looked it up today. I think he's averaging like twenty three and thirteen against the Celtics this year. Um, and you know he has not gotten a ton of usage at the offensive end, you know, he has not gotten a ton of shots in the playoffs and um, the ones that he has gotten, I, I think he actually is, you know, he, he's looked pretty good offensively. Just, you know, just the volume isn't there. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, that's a card that they can play that they have not really gone to much so far in the playoffs. And uh, just looking at what Boston has on their front line, I think this is absolutely a matchup that, uh, Assuming uh, uh, shoulder breaker Olenek is uh, not in the vicinity, I think Kevin Love can have a great series. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think they'll try, probably try to make him a little more involved because he's a nightmare matchup for them. They don't have anyone that can guard him. Um, and if you go back and look at the last that that blowout game at the end of the regular season, um, 
they had like I think Channing Fry had seven or eight rebounds in that game. Even he was crashing the boards. He started in place of Tristan, um, and filled in pretty admirably. Um, Love I think had fifteen or sixteen. He was getting everything, and I I just expect to see that sort of every game. Honestly, um, the there I think there's a potential that Boston has one of those games where they just are hitting every shot and everything seems to be falling and it doesn't really matter that they're outmatched because their shots are going in, but you can't count on that for an entire series. I pray to God we don't get a game like that. Cause I'm not really ready to sit through 48 hours of Brad Stevens. What a genius coaching up this team and, and stealing a win and all of the, uh, the accolades that come with it. Um, I'm right because... now. I'm sticking with bad Stevens. <laughs> with that one look I, I i don't think he's a bad coach but the the praise that he gets versus the resume that he has put up to this point i right. just i feel like it's disproportionate you talk to anybody outside of cleveland and i feel like they would tell you that the celtics have a big coaching advantage in this series and I don't think they have a coaching advantage in this series at all. Um, In a lot the same way that poorly informed people like to make jokes about LeBron, the GM, I think they do the same thing with, you know, quote unquote, LeBron, the coach. I was just going to say, when's the last time you think in, in a high profile series that a LeBron team was given the coaching edge? Never. And never, I will, I will ask you the follow-up. When was the last time Ty Lue got outcoached in a series? In a series? I'm not even going to say that he got, I mean, he's only, this is only his second playoffs, right. obviously. And in, in his last one, they won the title. So it's hard to really say that he got outcoached. Yeah, but I mean, there, there was um, never a point where they won a game where you were, did, was there ever a point where you felt like they won a game or they won a series? in spite of him? Um, not, not necessarily in spite of him, but the Toronto series last year, um, I don't think they looked as crisp the entire series as they could have. Okay. And, and I'm probably just searching for one here and trying to pick the one that um, they looked the worst. Um, obviously, the most competitive series they've been in was Golden State, but Golden State's loaded and I honestly think you probably outcoached Steve Kerr in that series. Um, so I, I I don't think he has been outcoached for an entire series. Maybe a game here and there, but for a series, it's he hasn't lost a series yet, so it's hard to say. Yeah, I think there's two things that he's got working against him in the court of public perception. Number one is that if you coach LeBron James, you're just never going to get the credit you deserve. Um and I feel yeah, like you're exposed to the finals every year. And that's, yeah. that's the way it is. If you don't, it's your fault. If you do, well, you did what you're supposed to do. Like Eric Spolster is a really good coach and he never got credit for that. I felt like when Miami had their big three together and like only now that that team is rebuilding and he still got them to like 40 or 41 wins this year. Uh, despite the the pieces that he After had or a didn't dreadful have. start too. They had a yeah, poor ex- start to the season. Exactly. Now all of a sudden people are like, oh, hey, he's a good coach. It's like, well, he was always a good coach. And, you know, obviously it helps when you've got a bunch of superstars on your team. But um, 
you know, there's a there's an art form to being able to put those pieces together and make them fit and 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 complement each other and get the most out of that talent. And sure, and every coach um, that we look at as a great coach, um, probably coached a couple superstars here and there. Hi, Phil Jackson. Um, yeah, no kidding. Exactly. No one no one ever made that argument for some reason with Jordan. I feel like it was always, oh, Jordan was great, but he also had the Zen Master. So that's like. There you go. Tyler needs a cool nickname like the Zen Master. Oh, God, no. Please, anything but that. <laughs> Next thing you know, no, he'll, so be, like... he'll be getting a front office job and we'll be yeah. in the shitter. No, I, I just, you, you, you know, I think you're just, you're never going to get the uh, the credit you deserve when you're when you're coaching a, Le, a team with LeBron James. And then the other thing that I think Tyloo has going against him is he operates in a really unconventional way with the way he's handled the roster this year and and the way that they approach the season. Like it, it has become transparent and a hundred percent clear now as we entered round three of the playoffs that the Cavs did not give a shit about the regular season. They they were, you know, playing vanilla defenses. They were going deep into the rotation. They're they're cycling guys out. They're getting LeBron some rest here and there. Um, you know, obviously they had the injuries and other things going into it as well. Um but does anybody look at the Cavs right now and say, like, oh yeah, that that's a fifty one win team? Like if they really applied themselves, it their their record looks completely different. But oh, yeah, I mean, if they came out and played to win every game, they're probably in the mid six, mid to high sixties, right? And, so and, he he very consciously um, was willing to forego X number of wins during the season because everything they were doing was gearing themselves towards what they're doing now. And and teams have know, done that in the past, but they did it at a much much more extreme level. Right, and when you do something that unconventional, and it and it flies in the face of traditional wisdom in the league, I think a lot of people are going to bristle at that. So, um, I don't know. I, I just maybe I'm a, a Ty Loose stan or something like that. But uh, I I think you know the proof is in what he's done and the results that they've gotten here over the the past couple of years. Um, so I don't know. That's just me. No, I'm with you. I think Tyloo's just fine, and and he probably understands. Hey, you know, I'm never going. If you're coaching, and this is probably true for any legitimate title contender, um, with maybe the exception of Popovich, because he's done it for so long, and people seem to ignore the fact that he had probably the best power forward of all time for the last two decades, but. Um, you know, it, it's, he's really the only guy I think that's, that gets credit as a great coach, um, who also, you know, won titles, every other guy that, that won titles, um, over the last decade or two, it's, well, this guy won a title, but he also had these superstars, maybe Larry Brown's another one with Detroit. Um, and that's probably the best one because there wasn't a single, I mean, if your best player was Chauncey Billups. You're pretty fucking good if you if you win a title, um, but overall nowadays the teams that are winning titles are winning it because they have superstars. The coaches obviously have a big impact, but that's always going to be secondary, and that's just sort of the nature of it now. Yeah, it's a players' league. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at 
NBA way more than baseball or football. You need a superstar to have a chance. You probably need a couple to have a really good chance. Um, and there's not a whole lot of parity because there's only a couple guys that are really that good. Um, and if you don't have one, you're kind of dead in the water before the season even starts. Yeah. All right. There's one other Cavs related item I wanted to get to here. Anything else on this series? Mm, no. What do you got? Well, um, well, first off, just the last thought that I had on this series is I'm going to game four next Tuesday, and I very much hope that I see an Eastern Conference trophy presentation uh, at the end yeah. of the evening. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, man, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm leaving for Florida tomorrow, and the day I get back is game four, so I could legitimately my vacation could be the same length as the second round of the playoffs or the third round of the playoffs. <laughs> that's uh that's possible. You want, uh, you know, you, you get back into town, you might need to drop your bags and uh, jump on flash seats and come meet us downtown. It'd be fun. There you go. For sure. No, I'm, uh, I'm actually watching game one in Miami tomorrow night. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to do a fair amount of trolling. Uh, be similar <laughs> to my trip to San Francisco last summer. It's going to be great. <laughs> Pack your sunscreen. There it is. <laughs> All right, what else you got? No, I just uh, I saw that uh, yesterday they, they finally made it official that uh, Goodyear is going to be the uh, official jersey sponsor for the Cavs for the next three years starting next season. And uh, we saw that uh, it's going to be the little uh, wing foot Goodyear logo. It's going to be on the jerseys. New jerseys entirely, by the way. I think uh, in our predictions for 2017, back in January, I, I said that was coming. So... Uh, you know, I, I probably Dang. have a whole bunch of things on there that I got wrong, but that's one that I'm calling there a win. So, oh boy! Yeah, take a little victory lap on that. But uh, no, what what do you uh, what do you think about that? And just uh, getting a deal with uh, Goodyear, uh, an Akron-based company, for that. I think um, kind of all good things, honestly. I thought I was a little skeptical because I didn't want jerseys to start to look like. Um, soccer jerseys and they weren't going to get that extreme we knew that but i saw a couple of other teams out there that looked really tacky and really shitty so i was like all right i was already braced for it to be really bad as far as these corporate logos go the logo they chose the fact that they didn't even put the words goodyear on there they just picked the wing foot um and it's small it's going to match the team colors it's going to be right there and it's a local company that, you know, is is very well established, has a great reputation in, in in the community and all that. It's really about as good as you could expect from that sort of arrangement. If you knew that the that the corporate sponsor thing was coming, you couldn't really ask for a much better situation, I think. Yeah, the only one that I think has got the Cavs beat is Utah. And that's uh, for completely uh I don't sort of... remember what the organization is that they're paired up with but that that company it, they're promoting their charity or their their like charitable uh subsidiary or whatever yeah five, five for the fight and which sounds like perfect for a basketball team but uh you know yeah the they just donated out. the space basically which is kind of fantastic really like like the jazz do a lot of things really well which is sort of weird um stuff that you don't really notice so much um, but yeah, that's easily the best one just because it's actually not just lining the pockets of a, of the team. Um, 
but if if you are going to you know accept the fact that it's a money making venture goodyear's that what they did with goodyear is about as good as you'll get yeah i'll uh, i'll take it you know what you're talking about with the soccer jerseys we're not there yet but some I, of them don't look that far off like i don't remember well, who it was i think philly has StubHub on there it looks super tacky the um, worst one is uh brooklyn basically here's the deal every team gets on the left shoulder uh, a space of two inches by two inches so it's a square space and like the calves that little wing foot is a very vertical logo and it's very thin so obviously it's not going to take up that much real estate on the jersey. Whereas you look at the Nets and it's a solid red square, which on a plain black and white jersey, it is the most garish and, and hideous looking uh, arrangement you could possibly have as uh, as these sponsorship deals go. So um, yeah, you can't stay winning like... and Brooklyn stays losing, I guess is the long and <laughs> short of it, but. Yeah, it's funny because I like the thing I like the most, I think, is that they're going to color the logo to sort of blend in with the jersey. So if it's a wine and gold jersey, it's going to be a wine and gold logo. If it's the navy jersey, it'll match, so on and so forth. I like that they're doing that. And it's not just like the corporate color standard logo. Um, yeah, Goodyear so would have been pretty close. I think they're like blue and yellow anyway, but, you know, yeah. they, they they definitely, yeah, they're doing it right. Uh, it's a, It's a good thing. So. Yeah. yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I think that's I think that'll look cool. I'm I'm we're sort I'm ready of for you, new sort of uni guys. Yeah. You and I are sort of uniform guys, so we're looking forward to just seeing a, a fresh look in general, I think. Yeah, very much so. I was surprised. I, I thought uh that the Cavs were keeping their logos, but um apparently new logo, new word mark, new jersey, which I'm assuming means probably another new floor next year, even though this one isn't even a full season old yet, but uh, yeah. you know that's uh, that's the modern NBA for so that, I guess right, exactly. So, all right, uh, anything else? No, that just about does it. I think. Okay, well, enjoy your trip. Thank you, thank you. Say, uh, to say hello West. to Pat Riley for me. I will. I'm stopping. I'm stopping in Miami overnight, and then driving to Key West, which I've heard is long but scenic. So, looking forward to that. There you go. Be interesting. Good stuff. And for everybody listening to our show, you can always catch up on past episodes on our website, thenailpodcast.com, or you can subscribe to catch new episodes the day they come out. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And for you Android users, we are in uh, the Google Play store as well. So if you haven't done so already, go subscribe. Um, we're getting real close to a milestone number. And uh, it'd be awesome if you uh, could help us get there uh, during the playoffs. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. But uh, um, last thing, uh, you can also go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Nail Podcast. Uh, friend of the show, Kevin Kleps of Cranes Cleveland Business, wrote a story about uh, the Cavs deal with uh, Goodyear. And uh, we shared his story on our Facebook page. So if you haven't seen that yet, go check it out as well. So uh, Travis is headed down to Florida. I will be. Uh, Keeping it uh, locked in here up in uh, Cleveland. Cavs uh, getting started tomorrow night in Boston and uh, should be a fun Eastern Conference uh, series. Well, uh, you know, at least if uh, if you're a Cavs fan, I guess it'll be fun. So Absolutely. Tra- 
So Trav, have fun down there, and uh, Thanks, hopefully uh, by the time we uh, we get back on on the grid here with the podcast, we'll uh, be talking finals. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm thinking probably next Wednesday we'll try to touch base, and at that point, um, Cavs should be looking forward to another week off. Yeah, so uh, I guess we should probably now start uh, brainstorming some topics because we might uh, have another uh, very long wait on our hands here. Because uh, no, uh, there will be no move update for the finals, even if both of these uh, conference finals end. Wrap sleeps. up in four, right? So yep. we can go Those nine days with no NBA starting next week. So, all right, there it is for uh, Travis Julie. I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we will talk to you again next week. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.